Welcome to Hope and Heresy, Life on the Religious Left, where we wrestle with contemporary issues using history and theology as our guides. Our task is to reclaim religion for everyday people who want to live meaningfully without letting arbitrary doctrine or oppressive religious practice prevent us from asking big questions about our complicated world. I'm Reverend Sarah Lindsay. And I'm Reverend Peggy Clark, and we're Unitarian Universalist Ministers broadcasting from Community Church of New York here in New York City. So uh, we're actually in this episode going to follow up a little bit or do the the other side of the coin of something we talked about recently, eschatology, because eschatology doesn't just deal with what happens to our individual souls when we die. It also is the sort of theological approach to or beliefs around the end of time, sort of the end of, well, let me rephrase that, the end of humankind really is what it's concerned with, is what happens when humanity is done. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> Another super upbeat topic. Um, but, but, this but it one matters. Has, yeah. And this one, in some ways, I think is a little more fun, right? Because we were talking eschatology is also about death, like what happens at the end of a human life. I mean, it's the study of the end time. So it's either a personal end time or it's the collective end time. But since the collective end time doesn't, <laughs> for me, there's no pastoral portion to it. No one has individual sadnesses and griefs and traumas so though it is a little more fun to talk about at least <laughs> i just had an image of us like doing pastoral care as the end time occurs <laughs> <laughs> like everyone is dead and we're just like doing pastoral care but yes that's right there's a little in some ways interestingly even though everything is at stake it feels like there's slightly less at stake and part of that might be and i'm laughing a little part of that might be the somewhat comical way that humanity has approached the notion of the end times from time immemorial, which is there have been so many moments when small groups or even large groups have been like, the end is coming and then it doesn't happen. And then it's like, oops, let's fix our date or oops, we were wrong. It's another 20 years. Um, and so it's, it's, there is something kind of, um, interestingly funny about thinking about the end times. Well, it leads to this sense of like, this is absurd because people for millennia have been awaiting the end of times and, and have different images and visions. And I mean, it's embedded a little bit of it in Jewish theology, but there's a lot of it in Christian theology, a lot. It's with lots of images, with books, with later books, with stories over and over and over. So that this idea, in fact, it's really popular in movies and comes from from this Christian notion of the apocalypse, but these post-apocalyptic movies, like what's going to happen when it all ends is really popular theme. I mean, and I suspect that it's been really popular during this pandemic that people have been really watching a lot of that because there is that feeling of something is happening, something really big, so, you know, so many people are dying. Though what's interesting, right, is that post-apocalyptic movies, the way we use apocalypse colloquially is something really shatters existence, but a handful survive or some part of society manages to live in the desert of nothingness, right? But like, but when we talk about theological eschatology and end times, we're talking about like the end, like 
nobody's hanging out, figuring out how to live without money and banking systems, right? Like it's just done, right? Um, and it's interesting because around the world, there's different ways to approach this, right? Like they're think about Hinduism and this idea that the world and the cosmos are sort of made and then destroyed and then made and then destroyed. But in Christianity, there's this real sort of finite moment, right? With the second coming. And it, we get a lot of this from like revelations, right? In the, in the um, scriptures, right? But there's this idea that like, there's this final moment when the Christ is going to come again and then everything's going to end and everyone is going one place or another for the rest of eternity and human existence as we understand it literally ceases to exist, right? Like that's, there's no post-apocalyptic Mad Max situation. Like it's just over. Um, and so that's an interesting, it's it, what, what always fascinates me is that that idea, how we, how people want that to happen like that there are folks who want that to happen and who then try to bring about certain signs. And I always think about Israel because there's a lot of conservative Christian support, like evangelical conservative Christian support of Israel, because one of the signs is that the Jews go home. And so if all the Jews go home to Israel, then the second coming comes and we all go to heaven if we've accepted Jesus. And it's a whole thing. And I get like real mad about it. But but that, right, it's it's the end of everything. Yeah, we, it's the way that humans tell stories, right? There was a beginning and then there'll be an end. Yeah. And we all think that we will see it. <laughs> We're going to be part of it. So every generation has some reason to think they are part of it. And, and it is, I think, also a way of sort of contextualizing major social shifts. Like, you know, oh, see, everything is ending. And I think that there's something kind of exciting about it. Right. Life has always been what it's always been, but now there's something huge. Now there's something happening. There was that show, The Leftovers, and and at some point there's this cult, right? And there's this woman, there are these people, but it eventually becomes just one woman, I think, who like climbs up to her roof on certain dates because she thinks she's going to be taken. And there's something that focuses attention, right? When you, you have something that dramatic, something huge is going to happen, it does give you some purpose and people need purpose. It gives you a reason. It gives you some sense of what the world is about. It puts things into context and I'm going to, I'm going to disappear. All of humanity is, is going to disappear. It'll then, right. It gives you some sense of reason. Whereas people struggle with the meaning of life. Well, so what's interesting, I'm, I'm having a thought, which I'm sure is not a revelation to anyone else, but it is to me, which is that perhaps the invention of these sort of um, millennial cults and, and end times views are a collective response, right? A maybe a necessary collective response to change that feels too big. So in other words, things happen in the world that are going to require us to change or move. And we start from a place of like, nope, that can't happen. So it must be the end of everything. And then from there, we can like work ourselves toward like, oh, change is actually possible. We can do the thing. We can like adapt. We can whatever. But that like in the way that there's sort of different stages that people go through when approaching grief or different, right? Like maybe there's just a phase of change that requires thinking it's all too much and it just isn't possible and it's all just done. And then we go on and we figure it out, right? Because um, a lot of these reasons that people saw for like why the world was going to end, right? Plague, various kinds of wars, whatever, were things that you like felt trapped in that you couldn't get out of. 
and then the light starts to crack and you see the way and and then you find it you know I don't know so here's my theory I actually think that one of the reasons why we're in such denial about climate change is because we have become really used to we've sort of normalized all of this end of world talk and it's become funny and we're we joke about it and we dismiss people as being absurd so that when something really huge actually is happening we sound crazy it sounds like you're part of one of those end of world cults that's really interesting right because of all the things it really is climate change that has the potential to wipe humanity off the face of the earth not even just as we know it but legitimately end humanity in a mass extinction, right? Like of everything that's had the potential over, you know, the course of humanity to wipe us out, climate change is really like the one, right? And it is overwhelming to think about. And it, and I think you're right. People dismiss it because it's too much. Um, and because it's been made into a trope, right? Or um, I, whenever I think about, about Peggy, I think about, um, and I want to say it's Joanna Macy, and this idea of like, which I found comforting at, at one point, and I still do really, that like, even that might be the sort of eschatology end of humanity, but that it's not the end of existence. And so there's this interesting way that if we reframe our understanding of what we are a part of, right, there's a very human centric understanding in a lot of religious traditions, which makes sense, right? It's born out of human experience. They're created to answer human questions, to deal with human responses to the world. But if, if one can sort of wrap one's brain around existence as being more than about humanity, then even the mass extinction of climate change can be framed. It doesn't help us, but it might help our emotions can be framed as like, it's a part of the cycle of existence as opposed to, and I'm not saying don't do anything about it. I'm not saying like, just to embrace the cycle. I just mean, it's making me, this question about eschatology is making me think about this distinction between a human centric, right? Vision of, of time and what is, and a much broader concept of time and what is. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, and I think, right, I think Joanna Macy's thing is, um, and lots of climate change, activists would say this isn't about the end of earth this is about the end of earth's ability to uh support human life and and, and frankly to support a lot of life i mean we're already in this mass extinction spasm so there's lots of life that's already dying off but yes earth will still be here and in you know a million years we'll be able to support life again and may regenerate and you know, who knows, this may have happened before, <laughs> regenerated, right. and here we are, that's, we don't really know. When we think about um, eschatological writing, it, the imagination is everything is gone, and, and I think that that does include human life, but I also think that when we talk about eschatological living, that most people don't imagine the like all of humans being gone so much as a wild radical change in the way that the world is constituted what's interesting to me um, go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. what's interesting to me is that i think it actually sparks some creativity for people 
I think people gain energy around it. I think um, because I think most people don't imagine a complete, you know, it's everything changes, but they imagine themselves and their families still here. You know, so so it's not it, it, maybe the way that it was written in scripture isn't the way most people kind of live out of this energy. But I think that the idea of it and the energy of it does spark. Now sometimes it sparks kind of fringe movements and people are stockpiling guns and you know that kind of thing. But I also think that it it can spark people into like imagining some other world, imagining what could be next, starting to think about new ways of living or or maybe even being willing to change their own behaviors so that whatever threat they're perceiving that's going to end everything so that they can can either hold it off or or be part of a transformation into something new. And I think that I think is really important, right? Like, I think it's important that we, like, first, I think it's important we make a distinction between the theological term eschatology, which refers to like a very specific thing and our everyday use of the word apocalyptic, right? Which I think is what you're really talking about right now, right? And insofar as we're like terms this season, like, let's make that distinction really clear. So, but I think you're right that most people are not actually concerned with eschatology, right? Like super fringe religious groups who are like, yes, end of days, I want to be raptured. They're talking about eschatology. Most of us, most of the time are really talking about apocalypse, right? Yeah, and I, but I don't think for me in this series though, I think what we're mm -hmm. talking about is why does it matter? And I don't, right, right, right. I'm going to argue that eschatology in that really specific and very narrow definition Agreed. doesn't matter. Agreed. We're moving into this place of the apocalypse, which is what actually impacts people's lives, right? But I think what's interesting about what I heard you say, and you can correct me if I heard it wrong, but is that sometimes it has the impact, right, of like, how can I survive this big change? But what we need, I think, and this is, you know, Adrian Marie Brown and emergent strategy and all these things, what we need is this is a big change that's happening. How can I be how can we really isn't deny? How can we collectively shape that change or form that change so that it isn't this? Um, not that it doesn't change everything, because frankly, there's a lot that needs changing, but so that it isn't an eschatological event and is only an apocalyptic event, right? Like, how do we be part of shaping whatever the massive shift and change is so that it becomes something better, so that we don't need to stockpile guns and kill each other? We can like live into something better and newer and more just and, and all of that, right? Um, and that to me, what matters about this topic is how we help people, how we help each other live into the change that seems inevitable in a way that allows us to thrive on the other side of the apocalypse, basically, not to sound melodramatic. Well, and and that is why this matters, right? I think that the, the theological concepts that most people are unaware of, and yet I'm going to argue, I think you would too, that they have nonetheless defined our culture really for a very long time, but absolutely has defined American culture and this idea of the reimagining of eschatology as apocalypse and the the vision of apocalypse and the constant sense of something is happening, something is changing, and this is the end, I think could be turned around. I think it can be something that's, since it's already foundational for us, right, that why not 
have it be something that's really productive and creative and generative. Right, a positive force for change. And this is actually, to take a tiny step back to this whole season, I think that part of what we're doing is trying to reclaim terms that have largely been co-opted by extreme end of the religious spectrum and say, actually, all of us, even if we don't know the words, all of us are playing these out either culturally or religiously or spiritually in our lives. And we've got to like grab those back and be like, you don't get to own what the apocalypse means. You don't get to own what God means. You don't get to own, you know, any of these things. Right. And so what does, what can salvation look like in a progressive, liberal, religious, justice seeking body and space. Right. Um, and that, you know, this is, this is it too, with the apocalypse. How do we make things better? That's really all it is. <laughs> That's really all it is at the end of the day. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think that you and I have actually just made eschatology relevant in people's lives. And that was, <laughs> that's a challenge and congratulations to us. <laughs> that's, <awesome>. um, <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. And I do think, you know, as we sort of, sometimes we're like, Hey, go think about this, you know, but like largely I think this season, it's just like, Hey, look into this term, like think more about it. Think about how it plays out in your life. Even if you haven't been using those words, right? Like, how do you think about those? What, what media are you consuming about the apocalypse? Right. And what does it do to you? Um, yeah. Well, this has been a really interesting conversation, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you soon. Bye.